Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, let's get into our show. Today, we have our good friend, Stephen Louie, joining us. Steve, happy you're here. How's it going? Oh, doing well. Thanks, Lolita. Hi, Kyle. How are you guys doing? We are doing great. Thanks for joining us. Before we head into today's interview, here's a little bit about Steve. Steve is a managing partner at Vertical Street Ventures, where he is responsible for acquisitions, sourcing capital, and building key strategic partnerships. Steve worked his corporate career in the benefits and consulting industry, where he held various executive and sales leadership roles at Mercer and MetLife. Currently, Steve has grown his multifamily portfolio to over 2,500 units across Arizona, California, Florida, and Texas. So today, we'll focus on a topic that I think many of the listeners out there strive to accomplish, so stay tuned. Steve, could you take it from here and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? No, thanks, Lolita. Appreciate that. Uh, But for those that don't know me, I am Steve Louie, and Lolita gave a really good background of what I have done but uh, really just exited my corporate America job after 25 years, just really focused currently today on full-time real estate. Right now, as Lolita said, I'm a partner and founder of Vertical Street Ventures, and we focus on apartment investing across the board. And I really have a passion for mentoring and coaching others in real estate. A little bit about my personal life. I'm married. I have a very supportive and lovely wife, Rebecca, and we have two lovely girls as well. Awesome. Well, like Lolita said, a lot of our listeners are striving to do what you've done, which is, you know, get out of the corporate rat race and get into full-time multifamily real estate investing. So we're going to get deep into that. And I'm excited about that. But first, let's start start with your background and how you found multifamily. Yeah, well, let me just, we'll, we'll dial it back a little bit. So after graduating college, I did everything like I was supposed to do, what they tell you to do. I got a great paying W-2 job. I climbed the corporate ladder and I was making a great living, but half of my money went to the tax man, right? So that was extremely challenging to know that every dollar I made, about 50% of it was going to Uncle Sam. And so 10 years ago, when I was in an airport, I picked up the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, really changed my mindset across the board in terms of different streams of income. So the only income that I had was earned income, W-2 income. And I thought that was the, the, the best thing since sliced bread. I did all the things right. But then after talking to my CPA, they just said, oh, you're going to pay a little bit more tax. So he suggested I consider some type of real estate because there's so many tax benefits to that. I uh, then jumped in. They introduced me to a turnkey provider and I started investing in single family homes, duplexes and fourplexes, built my portfolio up to about 10 single family homes across the board, and then realized I kind of needed to scale. 
And I went to a, a local meetup and that, that meetup met a, quite a few different individuals that were like-minded around multifamily and gave me some key ideas of what I needed to do to kind of grow that portfolio. And then about four years ago, I really doubled down on multifamily investing. I hired a mentor. I'm now invested, like Lolita said, over 2,500 units. I have 20 passive investments, and then I'm a, a general partner on about seven of those. So it's kind of a little bit of a snapshot of me getting into multifamily and happy to go into any other depth on that too. Yeah, I love that because that background is almost exactly what I did, right? I mean, I had a W2 corporate job, then I got nine single family homes and I found multifamily. So I love that story. There's a lot of people out there that can do multifamily while they keep their W2 job. What was kind of the driving factor for you to leave your W2 job? Obviously, you want to reduce taxes. You mentioned that, but what was the driving factor just to leave it and not maybe do both at the same time? Yeah. Doing both is possible, but very difficult, right? It's just how hard to balance kind of the corporate life as well as working a passion on the side, right? So I had to make some decisions and, you know, my corporate job really took away a lot of time from my family. So I devoted, you know, one of my philosophies is do your job well and great things will happen. So I devoted a lot of my time and energy to my my trade and my career while I was in the insurance business and the consulting side and really climbed to the, the, the top of the corporate ladder. But a lot of it is what you're doing is, you know, you're chasing that corporate dream, you're chasing money and you sacrifice a lot of things. And one of the things that did sacrifice is family. And so now with the recent exit of corporate America, I do have the freedom to work on my business as a business owner, as well as work and, and spend time with the family. And so now I have the time to really truly disconnect, right? Disconnect. And so that's the, one of the, the key things that I would suggest is when you're with your family, put away all of the iPhones and the computers and those things. Those will always be there, you know, five minutes. You know, a lot of times I was kind of doing both. And so really not actively there. So I said that that's one of the things, time, time with the family. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I definitely need to get better at is is just being able to unplug and disconnect. So I love that advice. So talk to us about your process and the steps you took to be able to exit your W-2 because it didn't happen overnight. And I know we had a goal for you and you beat that goal, which is awesome. But, you know, it's it's not just something that just happens without a plan. So talk to us about what your plan was. There's about five different steps I, I took to get to where I'm at today in exiting corporate America. It all started actually uh, around one of your meetups, right? So I, I, I think one, networking is, is very important. I tried to network the best I could. And uh, there's a lot of meetups when we could meet live prior to COVID that I, I, I attended. And one of them was, I think, a couple of your first ones, Lolita and Kyle. And it, it inspired me. I said, wow, these guys have are taking uh, taking ownership and leading in that direction. And I think you have just left your corporate job too, Kyle. And so that was uh, one of the key things. And so building a, a strong network, going to multiple meetups, and then building your own meetup. I think that, that that was a key thing. The other thing that I did was I hired a mentor and I hired a coach. Uh, you know, I, there's gurus out there. I paid one to help me become more successful what I did because I I was super busy on my corporate job, so I didn't have a lot of time to learn on my own. So I, I hired a coach and that coach gave me 20 different videos. I watched each one twice, became an expert on everything from the acquisition to underwriting to building a team across the board. And, and that was uh, super helpful. 
And then self-education, all the podcasts, all the extra reading. I never used to like to read very much, but reading a lot about real estate and the podcast helps so much. And there's quite a few out there that people can listen to. And then building a team, you know, so building a team across the board of not only your own partners, but partners that you work with. So all of the real estate brokers that are out there, the loan brokers that are out there, the property management team. So I took time, took off a couple of weeks from my corporate job and spent time in the marketplace, understanding the sub market and understanding all the partners that need to, that I needed to work with. And then most importantly, you have to take action. So you can do all those things, but if you don't take action, it's, I, I call it almost analysis paralysis. You can do all this analysis, you can do all this great work, but if you don't take action and get an LOI, letter of intent out there or a purchase sales agreement, you will be just like everybody else, but a little bit more educated than them. Yep. That was like a coaching session in itself. If you follow those kind of five or six steps that you lay there and take action at the end, I think you'll be okay. I think one of the things that's really important is the education piece because you are taking other people's money and essentially investing into real estate in the syndication space that we're in. And that is a huge deal. And you need to educate yourself right on the front end in order to be able to perform on the back end. So I I tie a lot to education and, and, Going back to your mentor that you hired, would you do that again? And, and what are your thoughts on, on definitely having a mentor versus self-education? Yeah, if, if I was uh, on the, in the corporate side and I was running my corporate job and I had uh, the stresses, the, the stress levels that I had, I think that was the best route for me, right? If you have a corporate job that maybe in the accounting department or legal department or what have you that might not have been as forward-facing or customer-facing, I would consider the self-education. You can really get to that point because there's a lot of good, uh, good talented individuals uh, across the board building those programs. Yep. So it's only been a few months since you left corporate America, but tell us what you've learned so far. Switching gears, because I went through the same process, right? It's, it's not easy to go from being in corporate America for decades and then running your own business. So, so what have you learned? Yeah. Well, so far it's been amazing, right? So I exited at the end of the 2020, to 1231, 2020 to be exact, right? It has been a very quick ride across the board. I, I mean, across the, everything I've seen has been super positive. All the connections that I've made are starting to flourish now. We do have uh, two deals under contract, one with uh, you guys as well, right? And so I think the partnerships have flourished and I'm really excited about where it's going to take us. My intention was really to kind of get the business up and running. Unfortunately, we were, were able to get everything going and moving in the good direction. Man, two deals under contract in your first two months as a full-time uh, real estate investor. That's pretty good. Got it. Okay. So what would you do differently if you had to do it all over again through your whole process of multifamily over the last four years? Yeah, great question. Great question. Uh, if I had to do this over again, well, there's another book out there. It's called The Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. One of the key things that I would have done is get get move over to the, the right-hand side of the quadrant faster. And for those that don't know the quadrant, there's a, uh, on the right-hand side of the quadrant, there's the business owner and the investor. I spent my entire career on the, the left-hand side of the quadrant, which is the employee side. That's, there's also the self-employed. But I was the employee all that time. I didn't really realize that there was that investor side, and I would have activated uh, that earlier. So read that the Cashflow Quadrant book by Robert Kiyosaki. It really will change your mindset on what you need to do to get to the right-hand side of the quadrant there. 
Yeah, that is actually the book that changed my life. You know, a lot of people go rich dad, poor dad. I did read that book, but it wasn't until I read Cashflow Quadrant that it just a light turned on for me, obviously, moving to the right side of the quadrant. And as soon as I read that book is when I started taking the action steps to get to the right side with everything that I did. So that is a fantastic read. All right. So for those who are inspired to do the same thing that you're doing, which is leave your W-2 to do this full time, any advice on how to expedite that process or guide them to be successful? I think I I said it before. It's a do your job well and great things will happen, right? So whatever you're doing, do your corporate job extremely well. And all those skill sets will lead right into what you do from a real estate uh, professional standpoint as well. And so if you try to cheat the system on one side, you're going to try to, you, you may cheat it on the other side. So I would say full focus on whatever you're doing and give it 110% and whatever you do. And, and that's what I've done and have been super successful in, in following kind of those principles. So uh, not trying to take a lot of shortcuts out there, but really, especially on the multifamily side education is the key, like we talked about, Kyle, right? If you can educate yourself, the sky is kind of the limit from my perspective. Yeah, I love that. I always say be intentional in everything that you do, which is the same thing that you kind of just said there. And you are very intentional in everything you do. So I do think that that's been a key to your success. What about on a scaling standpoint? You've been able to scale pretty quickly. I mean, 2,500 units, some of that is passive, but you also have seven to eight properties already as a general partner. So any secrets to your success on being able to scale even while having a W-2, but now doing this full time? You know, one of the things that uh, I find it's uh, people skills first, right? So some people say you have to be a technical wizard. You have to understand how to underwrite. But if for, for me, it's building true relationships with individuals, right? And and that's what what helped me. So you'll, le- you'll meet a lot of people in this industry that are super technical. They might know how to underwrite and have, you know, 10 pages of underwriting analysis and what have you. They still may never get the deal because they don't have that relationship with the broker. They don't have that relationship with the property manager. And so I'm a fan of people skills first and everything else will kind of take its course from the technical to the underwriting. You do have to have an attention to detail in anything that you do. And what's really important too is the sales aspect of life, right? A lot of people are fearful of sales. That's the one thing that will allow things to thrive. And we're doing that every single day in what we do. Right now, you're, you're selling your podcast here. I'm, I'm selling my, the company that I work for. And so in, in a lot of people shy away from the word sales, but it's all part of what you have to do in life. So I, I think you know that's a, a key aspect of what helped me grow my career across the board. And then a, a strong team. You're only as good as your weakest link, right? So I'm a fan of ensuring we have a strong team in place and then having partners that will have your back across the board if you if you can't do certain things. Yep. So talk to us about how you found your partners and the important, even further, the importance of finding the right partners. Yeah. So uh, amazingly enough, I found my partners through meetups, right? So Kyle and Gary, uh, you guys, we met at your meetup. And then the next thing you know, we ended up closing a deal in Tucson and then a second deal in Phoenix and then a third deal in Tucson and now a fourth deal, right? So that's what is important. And so it goes back to the people skills, right? So those people skills that enabled us to, to kind of work together and then trusting each other, right? So we all have bring different things to the party from a, a partnership standpoint. And you are uh, somewhat married to that individual for the next could be five, could be three, could be five, could be seven, could be 10 years. So 
you kind of have to kind of take a step back. Can I work with this individual for the next three, five, seven, 10 years? There's not going to be a perfect partnership across the board, right? Everybody has some slight idiosyncrasies that are out there. And you just have to kind of be flexible around those in working with them. But if, we, if you're all on the same page, you develop a vision, you can, you can kind of get there. You know, I do do uh, background checks on everybody that I work, work with as well. So I think that's an important thing. That's a necessary uh, item there. And then personality tests. I'm a big fan of understanding the personalities of everybody. So you've heard a lot about them. I know I've, I've heard you talk about them too, from the DISC profiles, the Myers-Briggs, understanding what your strengths are, and then uh, understanding your partner's strengths, and then focusing on those strengths, I think is most vital in, in kind of moving forward. Yeah, awesome. Going along the same lines on the people skills, I think you've actually done a really good job on finding deals. And finding deals is the toughest part of the business today, right? The capital's there, the, the deals are not. Talk about the people skills that you've built with some of the brokers. I know this story, but how you met your brokers and then the deal flow that has actually come from that partnership and relationship. Yeah, you know, so one one of the the key things is building relationships with the brokers, and uh, it's not an easy thing. It's a little bit intimidating for for most. Uh, and so, like I said, I took a couple weeks off of work, vacation time, and then that vacation time I spent in the the Phoenix marketplace, and I built relationships with every single broker there. And so what I would do is something different than everybody else. I, I brought them pastries and coffee. So typically they take you out, but why not uh, spend a little bit of money on them? They're the ones that have the deals. It takes time. Think about the largest brokers out there. They have hundreds of people calling them every day. How do they distinguish Kyle and Steve uh, with everybody else? There has to be something. There, there's, I always call it the, the edge, right? So what does... Kyle Mitchell have that's a little bit different than everybody else, right? What does Steve Louie have that's a little bit different than everybody else? And you have to utilize that to your best ability, whether it's being a great people person, being a great underwriter, being a great follow-up individual, being a great technical person. Those things are, are, are important. And brokers, property managers, loan brokers, they all appreciate that. You know, I try to play to those strengths of mine. And mine's a lot of my mine are relationship building, the ability to build really strong relationships with individuals to make them feel comfortable to do business with, with, with myself and full transparency in everything that I'm talking about. So I, I believe in that transparency. And when you don't have to, you know, I just got off the line with another broker and they said, wow, everything that you're saying is is true about, about what you said. I'm, I'm not trying to hound them on, one little expense. And, and a lot of times we as individuals, when we're looking at underwriting, we're, we're hounding the broker on the expense factor. And why is it that like this? Or what happened to this? At the end of the day, does that matter when you're, when you're trying to trade a $15 million deal and you're looking at the bathroom of unit 104? Probably not, right? When it's all said and done. So you kind of have to take a step back and then realize that, hey, they're people as well. And mind you, they have a little bit different personality, most likely than a lot of the investors. A lot of the investors that I meet are super technical. And so a lot of the brokers, they're, they're very well educated, but their skill set is building the people side of the business as opposed to the technical side. You know, they, they have a strong technical background, but that's not where they play. And so if you start pushing them too hard on those angles, it kind of pushes them away as well. Yeah. And on those relationships. So I think you've been able to close four of your eight deals with one broker, right? One, one yeah. brokerage firm. 
Absolutely. So the first deal is they gave us an opportunity and said, hey, I like what I'm hearing from you. You need to get your foot in the market. Take advantage of this one. Seems to be maybe overpriced compared to what everybody's saying, but you guys should consider it. Uh, a week later, we, we went under contract and boom, that, that was a, a complete success across the board. And then uh, 100% return for all the investors based on a cash out refinance. So that was a, a great one. While we were rehabbing that particular unit, or excuse me, that of complex, the broker gave us an off-market deal that was right around the corner. Another kind of home run on, on that opportunity as well. Then because of that, we were able to source multiple other deals that you and I have uh, both worked on as well. So. Yep. It's all about relationships. That's great. So where do you see your company going in the next three to five years now that you've left your W-2 and and you're full on focused on real estate? Yeah. And so in December, really sat down and tried to figure out a a, a true vision of where we wanted to go. Built a three and a five-year plan. The goal is to have five acquisitions of multifamily apartments closed by the end of the year. If we can be at 25 to 30 million of assets, of new assets under management, that's great. And then having that target upscale in the next three to five years. So 100 to 150 million of assets under management within the next, of new assets under management, I should say, in the next three to five years is, is, is our target. Awesome. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. All right, Steve, here we go. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Yeah, yeah. the one thing that is is super important uh, with all the networking that we do is customer relationship management database. So if I didn't have that database, um, I still have like a handful of cards here, a, a, ba- a baggie of cards that I still have to input, but a CRM is crucial in terms of tracking the people you meet and connecting with them. Can you tell us a story about one of your biggest mistakes in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Probably the one, the biggest mistake that I have probably made, it was probably on the passive side. So when I first got into multifamily investing, there's a thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. And so I was looking at deals and I go, oh, I have to get into these deals. And I got into deals that were with individuals that were brand new sponsors, right? And so if I had to look back at that, I would, I would have vetted them a little bit better. And I would have taken the time to know that there are a lot of additional investments that are out there. And then this particular one uh, was probably not as good because they weren't uh, experienced investors. Advice. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Hiring great people across the board is very important. I'm a big fan of hiring the right talent. Perfect. And finally, Steve, where can people find out more about you? Have my information right here. And, or, you know, you can connect right onto my website, verticalstreetventures.com. You can book a meeting with me directly or Stephen at verticalstreetventures.com or my phone number 714-496-6436. Awesome stuff, Steve. Thanks for spending some time with us today. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.